Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Retail Therapy, a Rethink Retail exclusive podcast series where we examine retailers that have a unique history, are making innovative changes to their business model, or are overcoming challenges to stay relevant in this highly competitive landscape. This week, we're stepping into a realm filled with nostalgia, a world that started in a quaint Danish workshop and grew into an icon in every child's playroom and every adult's memory. Think back to those tiny, colourful bricks that clicked together to create everything from castles to spaceships, sparking endless hours of creativity and fun, only replaced in living memory when one becomes a parent and your thoughts on the product change to the excruciating pain that is unmatched in all of Dante's Divine Comedy when one steps on a Lego brick without shoes on. Yes, it's a brand that's not just about play, it's about the joy of building and the thrill of bringing imagination to life. From inspiring movies to thrilling theme parks, this brand has been a magical part of our childhood and continues to capture hearts across the globe. That's right, this week we're talking about Lego. So checking in for today's session are this week's retail therapists, two of my favorite humans to hang out with and learn from, Casey Golden and Brandon Rail. Uh, Casey, a futurist that's no stranger to the reality of retail. Uh, Casey is the founder of LuxLock, a unified experience platform for luxury brands. She is a startup advisor, podcast host of the fantastic Retail Razor, and advocate for women in technology. She's an experienced operator in both fashion and enterprise supply chain technology, and of course, a Rethink Retail Top 100 influencer. Joining us live today from the Accessory Council Conference at Hearst Tower in the inimitable New York City, Casey Golden. Hi. Hi, I'm so glad to be here with you, Andrew. Thank you. I'm excited to talk through Lego because I know your experiences are a little different to mine, so I'm excited to break that down. And of course, Brandon, a trusted advisor with significant commerce strategy, performance improvement, technology, and organizational change experience across retail, wholesale, private equity, and consumer industries. He has authored articles, is a regular podcast contributor, and is a Rethink Retail Top 100 Global Influencer, and an all-round nice guy. So welcome to the show, Brandon. It was a pleasure to be with Andrew and, and Casey, two of my favorite people. I would, I am, I'm so excited for this chat. I'm nerdily excited for this chat. Let's start off by discussing some of the factors that have led to Lego's current fame. And, you know, like, what is your current take on the perception of Lego? But first, I, you know, we all have, you know, memories of Lego, whether they be the first or the fondest or whatever. I'm going to share mine first and then, Brandon, I'll throw to you. I remember my first ever Lego set was a Christmas present that I got from my mum. And I had been, I was a plane nerd. Uh, I was obsessed with aircraft as a kid. And there was this Lego set that came out that was basically an airport, like a little mini airport. You could build the planes, fly them around, et cetera. And I was, I was so excited for them. We were not a wealthy family at all. So, but, but you know, as a kid, I don't necessarily observe that. So, I, but I was obsessed with this Lego set. And I got there and I opened up this giant thing, roughly the shape of a Lego box that was my first Christmas present. And inside of it, sticky tape to the bottom of an empty old box of, I think it was chips or something, was a, a meatloaf CD. And I had no idea who Meatloaf was. I had never listened to Meatloaf, didn't ever care for Meatloaf whatsoever. 
And then mum was like looking at me confused as if, why are you excited? It's a meatloaf CD. I love meatloaf. And I'm like, this is really confusing before she handed me, of course, the real present, which was indeed the airport Lego set. And I was just enthralled. From then I was that kid that had the giant tub of Lego that I would never use again, but I could just was addicted to collecting them no matter what. It's just such a thing as a kid, that ability to just like launch on in and release that creativity. I was enthralled from day one. Brandon, what about you? Yeah, I think we had a very similar childhood experience, uh, just uh, different parents, different uh, part of the, of the world, different continents. But uh, yeah, Lego was a big part of our childhood. It was the uh, escape from the Atari and Sega Genesis and being online back in the day and just using our imagination, just collecting that big box of Legos without any restrictions. And it just was such an engaging, immersive experience that we can we have those memories to look back on. But also, while I have my own kids, I can also experience it now in this new universe that lego was created and there's such a iconic brand so it's really great to be part of a discussion about it. a brand that's really modified and adjusted how they go to market and how they build partnerships and how they leverage innovation to keep keep relevant yeah i can't wait to dive in with you on that because i know that you'll have some points of view on how they've done it like that creating iconic brand is one thing being a, a really awesome executor in retail is a different one and Casey, what about you? What's what's your you know experiences and thoughts on Lego from childhood to now? Yeah, so I'm an 80s baby that didn't have any Legos. I played with Hot Wheels and I was obsessed with Hot Wheels. But cool. I think that this really goes into a lot of the research that Lego's been doing on the differences on how girls and boys play and leads to their future lab and essentially why my experience as a child would have been different than it is for little girls today. I think that's a really fascinating, because the one thing that I always put, like if someone asked me for, you know, a word to describe Lego or something, it's they genuinely are seemingly quite curious. They do want to learn. They want to constantly kind of evolve and they're willing to be quite patient, which I think is interesting. But if we think about that influence, there is, you know, we were discussing before we came on record about like this brand is, is iconic. It's like, it's brand awareness is phenomenal and must be up there with some of the the biggest in the world. How has that grown over the generation? What have they done? What actions have they taken that you've seen, Brandon? I'll come to you first. That has enabled this brand to become the iconic mecca that it is today. They're just brilliantly aligned with these top brands and, and licensed products. So you think about the universes they're aligned with: Star Wars, Marvel, Barbie, Disney, Batman. Uh, these are all iconic characters that have been around for decades and have resonated with generations. And and now uh, the art of merchandising and the art of storytelling is something that they're just they perfected, you know, and, and turning it into magic. Every single toy store you go to, whether it's a local independent store or, or a larger operation like Target, there's a large presence of Lego product there, and they tie it so well together with this partnership model, and on their movies, and then there's a whole, whole immersive experience we can talk about later about the metaverse and how they're evolving. So I think that branded partnership has been key and just become, and they, they just resonate with the customer today, with the, the core customer being at you know, five to seven or nine-year-old, even older, uh, that wants to grow up with Legos and be part of that universe. Yeah, and I think that the aligning with brands has been obviously an incredible smart move for them, but also their evolution of like like growing up with the people who started collecting Legos when it was first around, like the creation of the new adult Lego sets and then that campaign they ran, I think it was a couple of years ago, it was like, you know, um, adults should play more, adults can play too kind of thing. That idea of making it okay almost that you can still play with Lego as an adult I think has been really smart. But they're definitely honed in on what it is that people care about to try and to make sure they stay relevant. Casey, what do you, what about you? What do you think has, has led to their 
iconic growth in terms of their brand awareness? Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of any company that's over 100 years old. It's kind of my passion passion piece is, is these heritage brands. They better be iconic by now if they're still around, right? That's the kind of way I think of it. But I think it's important to kind of also recognize that I think it was like 20 years ago, they were on the verge of bankruptcy and like had sitting on 40% of unsold stock. And I think that this transition into getting into the customer and understanding what the customer wants and how they play. I mean, now Lego is like the apple of toys, which it's kind of a luxury product these days. When you think about it, the stores are very experiential and I think that they have the the best pulse on what people want right now. The breadth of their strategy is obviously impressive. Like the way that they've gone through, they've, they've Disneyized everything from, you know, not the, yeah, only Star their core Wars, product, yeah. but to the, the way they tell stories, to the way that they bring them to life, to the way that they advertise and market, like all of those things, the store breadth strategy, the retail strategy itself has been immaculate as well. It's been interesting. One thing I wanted to get into actually was the, you know, the concept of, into, like today's brands need to stand for things and it's becoming increasingly re, you know, required of a brand to speak to me personally and make me feel good about giving them my, my money or at least appease me of not having to worry. Whether I'm doing something good or not is a different story. Just make it okay for me to give you money. In a world where sustainability is a, a hot topic, if not the hot topic, and they're a product that is essentially made up of plastic, which is the most antithesis of sustainability, they aren't slowing down. They've got some sustainability initiatives. They've got, you know, recycling initiatives. They're, they're moving to different things as well. But how how have they managed to navigate that, do you think, Brandon? They have a lot of inherent challenges. If your core product is made of petroleum-based plastic, you know, then you mm-hmm. have a social media and social activist situation where you're making your carbon footprint is pretty significant as your business scales and grows and your brand and partnerships increase and all the toys get more millions of kids' hands. So... I believe they committed to a 2032 commitment of it being more sustainable or come up with alternatives. They just started to experiment more by using potentially recycled plastics and bottles. But that actually, there was a recent article about Lego has realized that it's actually going to cause a more significant carbon footprint by using recycled plastics, actually going to increase their, their production costs and also the emissions will increase and their supply chain will also have a bigger carbon footprint. So. A lot of their, for instance, their, their 98% of their trivial emissions are due to their supply chain just because of the breadth and depth of the company. So you have that element. So one, the plastic, how do you resolve and mitigate that? Is, is there a plant-based alternative? And two, is their supply chain, which is all those carbon uh, emissions based on their scale and breadth and depth of the product. So while the commitment is, is commendable, you know, they, they have to come up with something fast as they're rapidly approaching those dates. In retail, there is no shortage of data. But what if I told you that you've been overlooking the most valuable data of all, your contracts? Contracts define the commercial relationships that power retail. With contract intelligence from iCertus, you can structure and connect this critical business information so you can drive revenue, find savings, and reduce risk. To learn more, visit iCertus. That's I-C-E-R-T-I-S dot com. And Casey, do you think, are we... Are we freaking out? If you're sitting in the, I'm going to promote you to the board of Lego and you're sitting in your latest board meeting and someone's made you head of the sustainability chair committee or whatever. Um, are you freaking out or are you doing those actions or like, what is, what is your view here? So I'm not the most sustainable 
consumer or business person. I believe in not making shit that nobody wants. I'm not against plastic so long as it's being used. It has a long life cycle value that you play with it. Your little brother plays with it. It's staying in the family for years. I look at it much more as like, how long is this product being used? I don't like throwaway clothes. I don't like any products that are literally just you're buying cheap garbage and then it's ending up in a landfill. If you buy a product and it has a home in your home for five years plus, it's a damn good product. And if it maintains value and it can right. be gifted, yeah. I have my Hot Wheels collection still. It's in a box, in a box, in a box, in the closet. But like I still have my Hot Wheels collections. I still have like I have... I have my mother's Barbies from like the fifties, right? There are things that I feel that get handed down and Lego is something that can get handed down and it maintains value. So I'm okay with plastic <laughs> in this situation I, because I think it can follow a luxury, a luxury strategy and Lego, I'm just going to kind of throw this in there. The margins on Lego are almost stacked identical to LVMH with like 20, 27% per dollar, 40 to versus 42% overhead and like 31 versus 32% or 32 cents per dollar on COGS. So I think it's a pretty balanced product and it can kind of, you know, it can stick around. If I had to implement something, I would have all the customers bring in all of their Legos that they didn't want for a recycling program to melt them down and make new Legos and they can get a new set or something. Uh, well, I mean, uh, two exciting things happen there. One, we got some Casey Golden bluntness and I'm all for it. Um, two, uh, Brandon, of course, brings receipts, holding up Hot Wheels to the camera, loving that. And you're right. Like, that's the thing that I think I've been reflecting on. It's been hard to so someone who, 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 is, who pays a lot of attention to what's going on in the world of sustainability and retail. Um, you know, I stare at Lego and go, man, that's a big old problem to solve. And the, the number one thing that they are doing that they aren't weighting as highly is their play on program. The idea of bringing in your old Lego, throwing it in the bin, and then it goes to kids who can't afford potentially to buy brand yeah. new Lego, which solves both of their elevation to this luxury brand, but also the, the environmental problem. And I'm like, upweight it. Let's put, let's make noise about that. Cause I think that's an incredible idea that does, you're right. You know, sustainability isn't just about how well a thing goes away when it's thrown away, it's how long until it's thrown away. And right. I think they, they could definitely upweight that storytelling more because I think it's actually a really beautiful program that, that has a lot of heart to it, which is you know, in line with what they've got. I think a lot of products that have long lives, maybe it's a little bit less sustainable, but it lasts 10 times longer. I think most of our problems come from a different part of retail. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, we'll get into that, I'm sure. <laughs> That's another retail therapy episode. <laughs> yeah. I just, just to wrap this piece up, Andrew and Casey, just a word of caution is this greenwashing element that's out there with these top retail yeah. companies and brands. It's just 
don't be cautious of what your commitments are with sustainability. I think there's an element of greenwashing with Lego that they have to actually be cautious what they commit to, what the risk of what they actually execute against. So I don't think it would diminish their brand equity and, and their loyalty and then how popular they are. But these matter, sustainability matters to a lot of customers too, especially with the whole element of conscious consumerism. And then Casey probably could point out disposable fashion and fast fashion, which is complete end of, end of the spectrum. Another discussion for another day for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well worth having, of course, because you're right. Like, you know, if you can make a product that lasts and can be handed down over and over again and doesn't ever end up in a trash heap, then that's more sustainable than something that must potentially more sustainably produced that does. Let's move us on. We're all retail nerds. We all love a good store experience. We love going in and getting immersed with people who have done something different and unique. Tell me about what your reflections are of their flagship stores in particular. So the way that Lego has decided to bring to life their brand, a, a, a flagship store in particular, in my definition of the term is this is a physical manifestation of your entire brand story. How do you physically manifest it in the real world? How do you rate, Brandon, how well they've gone? And and also, what are, what are your thoughts what, uh, of, the, of the store experiences themselves? I think the flagship stores, as well as the Legoland experience, they're outstanding. They, they bring the, the actual experience to life. And the art of discovery is amazing for kids and also for the parents. And it's, it's educational, it's engaging, you can experience the product, try the product. And the, cool, the, the coolest thing, that element I like about the flagship stores in like Dubai and London and New York, they bring in local architecture elements. So if you go to the New York you know, location, you get the Statue of Liberty, you get Ellis Island, you get Empire State Building and Fifth Avenue, and all these all the ballparks in New York, and the experiences of the whole community come to life in, in the form of Legos. So. Uh, I guarantee that you know a parents that leave leave a Lego store with uh, some products for the kids because uh, they want to bring that whole experience home with them. Same way they would when they went to Disney World, Disneyland. You want to leave with the product. So it's merchandising magic. You know, come to life. I think the challenge is how do you extend that experience beyond the flagship? Is where the small Lego lands and the smaller store toy stores is. How do you keep that magic and that, and that experience going? And it's hard to do that at scale, but the flagship store for sure are on point in what their experiences. In today's highly competitive retail landscape, personalization has become a key revenue driver. Almost three quarters of consumers now expect personalized interactions and more than three quarters are frustrated when this doesn't happen. Retailers need to deliver more robust, sensory experiences and personalized customer service and evolve with personalization, seamless purchasing and intelligent store experiences. Beyond just personalizing the shopper experience, Elevating the shopper experience relies on smarter, more connected stores, unified commerce across diverse channels, smart advertising solutions, and seamless customer service. Microsoft Cloud for Retail can help you to evolve and elevate the shopping experience. Yeah, and, and in, a, in a world where flagship stores are being executed sometimes well, sometimes incredibly poorly and just a, a waste of money, I think they've kind of had a nice, interesting blended approach of that that experiential piece, but not forgetting the retail elements. I think that's a, a fantastic insight, Brandon. Casey, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I also agree. Like, we're based in New York. We have the benefit of experiencing the best of the best of every brand, almost, because it's headquartered here in New York. We get the biggest stores. We have the flagships. And there's something really special in New York City when it comes to like Legoland and just toy stores in general, like we have something that cannot be replaced online. 
on like an e-commerce store in other areas. And I'm moving more towards more pop-up shops and more like flagship experiential moments that if you can't, if the market doesn't support a flagship or that really experiential brick and mortar experience, then you probably shouldn't have anything. And we're at that point where Lego is so experiential and getting into the area of personalizing. I love the Sydney location. I think it's Sydney, right? Yeah. You guys got the flagship over New York. Like that's an insane store. I love how you can go in and get one Lego. It's Mm. like candy shelves everywhere and you can get a little Lego dude that you get a customized. So it looks like you or your friend. I think that these are all really exciting opportunities because they can be turned around really quick. But I think on the horizon, I'm very bullish on Lego because of the metaverse and Mm, video games. I think that they have a very, very strong digital future. And I think it would be really fun to be working in that company for the next 10 years. I, I, that is that is where we're going to go next because I'm, exci- <laughs> I'm excited with you about and not to mention I have the benefit uh, as opposed to our listeners of video where I can see both of your faces lighting up the mention of the Lego's metaverse and digital opportunity. But before we get there, my experiences. So the Sydney flagship store for Lego is, is outstanding and like they, they, they did do a beautiful job of bringing to life the Lego brand in such a beautifully localized way. And I'm incredibly lucky that I get to travel a lot with my work and like being able to see the way that they bring to life Lego flagship in New York versus the way they do it in London versus the way they do it in Sydney versus the way they do it in Singapore. Like it is stunningly thoughtful. And, and that's how I would describe their experiences. They do not rush this. They don't just hire a fancy design firm and say, make something cool looking they think about every square foot, how to maximize efficiency of it, how to maximize stock on floor, how to all those retail basics that are really important, whilst also creating these experiences that are unique. But Casey, I want to go back to your. I would think that one of the most exciting things would be the person who's in charge of that pop up strategy. How do I pull those ideas out? Those in, you know, make my own uh, mosaics. How do I make my own minifigure? How do I you know craft something that is unique to me? And put it everywhere. Put just put it in the back of a truck and drive it around if you want to, and you would sell like hotcakes. And you're going to expand more and more and more and create that brand allegiance, which I think is exciting. Anyway, I've made you both wait enough. Let's talk about metaverse and digital strategies. Brandon, this is you and I've had many a jam on the idea of metaverse and all of those things. What's what's here to stay around and what isn't? With Lego, you know, with you've got you've got Disney, you've got all of those players that are all kind of leaning in here, going throw money at the sandpit and see what we can come up with. Lego's done the same. What do you see in your crystal ball of the future for Lego Digital? I, I could be more excited about Lego and digital and the metaverse especially. They have a $10 million investment with Epic Games to really provide a safe and secure environment that's engaging, that has everything in the physical world in terms of discovery, experience, experiential aspects of being uh, with a Lego product and all the brands. And this may even solve some of the sustainability concerns because you want always to buy the latest Lego. You can subscribe to a experience in the metaverse with Epic Games and, and Lego. So again, it, I think it's the metaverse is a big hype cycle, a lot of great potential, but it's all about execution. How do you translate that physical experience, that Lego land, that showcase stores into a, in a digital world where a lot of folks are engaging and spending a lot of their time? I think it's 
they're going to take their time, like you said, Andrew, and, and be uh, very prescriptive with their execution, get it right, and then just go go full blast those partnerships with the Marvels, the Barbies, and, and Star Wars, and, and create a whole new universe within the metaverse that's safe and cool to hang out. And and being potentially the people who drag a lot of those brands into it in a way that actually works instead of being a bit fluffy and more marketing, actually making it a real metaverse space to play. Last point is we talk about live streaming, but how about actual engagement and shopping within the metaverse itself? So there's a lot of potential there in my mind that you know you can have shoppable content, not, not just digital content, but also physical content. They're not strangers to using augmented reality in stores. You hold the box up to the camera and you see the Lego come to life on the screen in front of you. They, you know, the ability to essentially, to your point, shop, see how high the Eiffel Tower Lego set is compared to me, which I raise only because my nine-year-old isn't shutting up about desperately wanting it. So yeah. like, you know, it, I think the, 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 the endless possibilities that exist there I think are really interesting. And, Casey, before I come to you, I just want to make one point. I read, I can't remember who it was now, a little while ago, that someone from Lego, when they were talking about the metaverse, said our priority number one is we want to create a place where parents don't have to worry that their kids are there digitally. You know, their safety and their like the concern for the kids is everything. And um, I think that that is an incredibly smart move because that is obviously increasingly, if not already at maximum velocity, a worry for for parents. So I think that's a really smart way to think about it too in terms of prioritizing. But Casey, what about you? What, do you, what is your view on the, the future of digital and metaverse? You mentioned before you were bullish about their future because of this stuff. What do you? What is your view? What is your take? Well, I'm, I mean, I think what the, the first time that I saw Minecraft and the first time that I saw Roblox, I was just like, why, where's Lego? Because I was very much an early adopter of Metaverse and Web3. I was just like, oh, my God, people know what it is. This is so cool. <laughs> Even though it was only people on Twitter. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it was kind of that moment of like, this is great. Like, where's Lego? Why didn't they come up with this? Why weren't they first? Why aren't they innovating in it? And um, But again, that's not necessarily their strategy. They go in very thoughtful. I think their partnership with Epic Games is brilliant especially i think they just put two billion between lego and sony into fortnite right like the amount of opportunity in this space when you consider decentraland and roblox and fortnite there's just so many new sales channels in this digital space that are going to be able to be built and that's part of the DNA of these spaces is users building. Um, you know, I think it's a very coming from the startup world. We hear this term like founder fit pretty often that it's like the right people building the right product. Um, I think this makes I think it's very interesting to see you have a whole bunch of engineers that probably played with Legos building this world. And so they grew up with Legos. And I think that it's that product market fit. Like you have the right people building the right thing for the right people and the users. Like there's a, a level of intimacy here that um, I don't think is easily replicated. And I think that they're just going to knock it out of the park. I, I, I'm with you on that confidence because I, I think you're right. And like the, the analogy of founder fit, I think is perfect. Like they are the people who should be the first explorers in this space because they are, 
it's safe, it's easy, and there's the most obvious use case for it in terms of it becoming a reality. And they've been there before. They've been in these spaces before in terms of like, you know, whether they create immersive worlds. I mean, they've got theme parks. I remember taking Kiddo to Legoland, the theme park in Florida, and it, I was I was long gone was my love of Lego. I was, you know, I still respected it and have a lot of fun memories, but it was long gone. I was in like it is brilliant that the way that they brought it to life in every single way, whether it be a giant dragon, whether it be, you know, that breathes fire at you, whether it be roller coasters that look like they're made of Lego and please, I hope they weren't, all of that stuff. They just, they do a really beautiful job of imagining how Lego could look in a real world environment. And they've got that experience to bring into the metaverse, which I think is going to be super fun to see how they, they bring it to life. But in other ways and too, with that. augmented reality and all those other things. Well, even on that, just for that example, right, they're actually, Lego sells physical versions of Minecraft. Mm-hmm. So even bringing it back from digital to the physical, it's just this beautiful infinity that I'm just seeing that it's just, <clears throat> this is going to be the best time for them. We're excited to tell you about PayIQ's state-of-the-art payments intelligence solution that grants access to untapped first-party data for all previously anonymous customers. Every time a customer swipes their card in your store or online, rich SKU-level data is captured and added to a customer profile. These profiles are built from consistent payment data, meaning you get detailed insights into the omnichannel purchasing behaviors of every card-paying customer. Learn more at pay-iq.com. Because it, it is like that a rubberous cycle, right? They just keep helping grow each other's brands. And if you're a metaverse place, you want Lego involved. If you're if you're a brand of any form and you want to get into the metaverse, you got no idea how to do it. Then make a Lego version of whatever it is you are, and you're bloody well halfway there. Totally like I think that's super super interesting. All right. So with that in mind, we've got we've covered metaverse, we've covered the real world, we've covered it all. What's our? I was again. We're sitting there. We've got our our crystal balls out. We're thinking, all right, what are the one or two big things that our nudges are? I think I might know them after this conversation, but let's see if you both surprise me. The big things of this is where you need to focus yourselves. This is where success comes for you in, in retail and as a brand in the future. What would they be? Starting with you, Brandon. I, I think it's a rare opportunity to have this discussion in the retail therapy with a, a retail and brand that's so successful that has such a great operating model. And it resonates with generations. <clears throat> I just think it needs to need to continuously innovate and continuously evolve. And they and they express that with their investments, with Epic Games, with the Metaverse, with the Lego Lens, with their retail stores, their you know the immersive commerce opportunities that will come up. Uh, that's probably the first thing because to continue those investments, continue to drive things forward. Don't stop innovating. Uh, they they, fa- they usually are successful. So fewer failure is not really an element here. Uh, they can't do anything wrong right now. And then and two is probably the uh, uh, there's the whole TikTok element of storytelling and also uh, micro-influencers and influencers. That's out there as well as shoppable content, whether it's uh, live streaming or other opportunities beyond the physical stores. So I think, just again, keep following the path they're on now. Uh, they seem to be very prescriptive, but also investing heavily in the future. And uh, they're not standing still you know, with their partnerships with these brands. And then as a new brand emerges, like you said, you know that brand wants to partner with Lego and then become a force to be reckoned with. So uh, I think the future is uh, limitless for Lego. And even with sustainability concerns, like Casey said, the product is will last far longer than most of the products and will pass along for generations. Agreed. Agreed. Well said. Well said. Casey, what about you? 
So there are so many options and so many directions between digital and physical and just global growth in general right now. I think there's so much opportunity with Lego and they're expanding their teams quite fast between NFT teams, metaverse teams, video game teams, like this digital aspect. You have a lot of new hires. I think the most important thing is their future lab that spends time making sure that they understand what kids want, what people want, and staying very, very close to customers to make sure that they're moving in directions where the customer wants them. Because I tweeted one day that Central Land had like 63 daily active users. And I'm like, dude, I'm smoking them. Right. (laughs) I have more users than Decentral, daily active users than Decentraland. Right. And I think that that's kind of the key thing is we can see all of this excitement and we can imagine the possibilities. And I mean, that is what Lego does. That is the culture it facilitates is to build and imagine. But we got to make sure that we're moving with customers and we're showing up where they want us to be. And I think that they've been really good was staying on pulse with the customer. And I think that that's what turned the entire company around over the last, you know, 20 years. And this could also pose too much to like literally break, right? Because you're spending so much money and so much resources in so many different areas. And if you lose that pulse of the customer and you're not showing up where they want you, there could be, you know, the ROI could get lost. I think that is a stunning point to make because it is true that they have made their whole brand on understanding the rule that most brands forget, which is the customer doesn't change, but their context does. The context of that person's life has shifted dramatically from the day you were serving them the other day to today. So what's that shift and how do I make sure I'm staying with them throughout their life cycle? And they've been the pinup brand to kind of like articulate how well to do that or how to do that well, I should say. And they can't lose that amongst all of these distractions. Yeah. I mean, I think we have very different kids now that are coming, Mm -hmm. like this new generation that's coming. Is it still alpha? Even like, well, I think alpha started, I think it was 2013 or 2011 on, you know, it's alpha. These are 100% digitally native children that it could go either way. You got to stay close to these kids and understanding them because they live in a very, very different world and childhood than anybody running any of these companies has ever experienced. <laughs> Agreed. Without a doubt. And that's a lesson we all need to learn, right? It doesn't matter what brand yeah. you're running. You know, you're like, I, I watch my nine-year-old's life and I, I can comprehend it, but I don't know it and I don't understand it. And like, you know, the idea of there's a very big difference between comprehension and understanding. And, yeah. you know, from a brand's perspective, to be able to latch on to that and kind of leverage. So far, they're doing it all right. Like this is this is a thing that you're listening, you're rocking up in these new places, you're, you're adapting the way you sell, the way you think about your brand, you're building these partnerships, so they're doing all the right things. It will be, how do you maintain that without A, getting hubris, but B, without losing it because you've got too many fingers in too many pies. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah. I need to, to wrap us up here, but any final thoughts before we go, Brandon? Yeah, I, I think everything we said, it's shown how successful this company has been, how sustainable, how how they continue to grow and evolve. 
but to Casey's last point, eventually you hit, hit a saturation point. You're trying to do too much and overextend the brand beyond uh, staying in touch with the core customers, you know, and being part of that customer lifecycle from age two potentially to 16 or 17 years old, depending how engaged they are. So there is that, you know, that pulse of the customer you can be in touch with. There is a, the risk of, of just extending yourself too far across digital and physical worlds. But I believe they're they're fit to purpose, and they they know they know their market well, and they're will continue on the cycle they're on. But it'll be very interesting to see how things evolve next couple of years. Casey, any final words before we wrap? I think Lego is a great example of looking at somebody else's business that may or may not have anything to do with your business, and find some synergies of things that are working for them, things that they've done, because I think that there's a lot of learnings from not looking at your competitors, but looking at people who work in different verticals. And I think that there's a lot of takeaways there, especially in this time of just rapid digital transformation and change. A lot of times we move slow because we can, because of who we're moving slow with. And looking outside of those different industries, I think that there's a lot of learnings that a lot of companies that don't sell any type of toys could take from what Lego's doing right now. What a beautiful point to end on. Brandon, Casey, you have both been fantastic. I'm calling this therapy session officially closed. Thank you both for joining us. I love hanging out with both of you and learning from both of you. So thanks for joining us. A pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate Great it, time Andrew. To you, Casey. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.